Hey everyone, this is your host, Gons, and welcome to another episode of Startup Conversations, View from the CTO, a collaboration between Table and CircleCI, where we sit down with some of the greatest CTOs in Europe to deconstruct how to build and operate high-performing technology teams. My guest today is Hakan Holberg. Hakan is the founder and CTO at Venture, an ESMA-regulated crypto index provider based in Stockholm. Before founding Venture, Hakan worked at the Swedish government, helping the national register system develop processes for managing confidential data for Swedish citizens. Hakan holds a bachelor's degree in mathematical statistics, a master's degree in mathematics, and spent several years researching blockchain technology at the Stockholm School of Economics. In short, Hakan is brilliant and a fantastic podcast guest. This conversation might be short, but that doesn't mean it isn't packed with insight. We talk about absolutely everything. How to recruit and retain talent in a global talent market. The key difference between running a technology team for a startup and running one for the government. Why you should create a good digital environment for your team. Why you should hire extremely motivated people only and much, much more. Chatting with Hakan was an absolute blast. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Hakan, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Likewise. So let's let's get started. What's like the two-minute version of you? I, I have to ask. You went from uh, academia to, to, to government and then uh, sort of a CTO of a crypto company. So what's the two-minute version of you? Yeah. So I started to study pure mathematics, uh, stuff that is very hard to apply uh, in the real world, but a lot of fun uh, to do. Went over, studied uh, statistics and probability theory, got a job as a quantitative psychologist, in fact. So I did quantitative model, modeling for, for the psychology department at University of Uppsala. Then I got a job as a statistician within the government register system. The Swedish government has huge databases on, on all kinds of data on their citizens, and they do regular analysis of that. And then I started to slowly uh, go into data engineering instead. So I became uh, responsible for uh, the platform that was in charge of standardizing the index and indicator calculations that the government uses in evaluating different healthcare and welfare systems. So that was what I was doing. But at the same time, I did research at Stockholm School of Economics uh, when it came to uh, blockchain technology. And I started to realize that I, uh, this would be a force and a very important system uh, in how we do business in the future. So uh, gradually I started to talk to uh, friends of mine, for example, Jacob, the CEO of the company, we started math together and we decided to start a company and it became an uh, index provider. So we developed pricing algorithms and different kind of portfolio strategies for the cryptocurrency. And uh, yeah, there is where I am at the moment. That is um, absolutely uh, fascinating. And, and before we dive into what you're currently doing and sort of the, the, the role of the CTO uh, in a sort of a blockchain technology company, I, I'd love to know what's sort of the difference between working at government and working at the private sector? Huge, especially if you work in a startup. The government has what, hundreds of employees, thousands of policies, 
so you you're really a part of uh, a large organization i was technically primarily only in charge of writing the algorithms the functions that calculated the specific uh, indicators uh, the databases and all of that was of course taken care of by its own separate department or or unit while when you go over to a, a startup i mean you start out as uh, the sole uh, tech guy uh, in charge of developing everything that has to be developed so yeah uh, you learn a lot and it's uh, it's a lot of fun a lot of work but a lot of fun uh, and you get to uh, implement a lot of really new technology every technology that you want to implement you technically can so that is a lot of fun because you can't do that in a large older organizations i mean there's a lot of things you just kind of have to work with <laughs> that, that that yeah that's absolutely um fascinating so you, you went from government hundreds of employees thousands of policies to co-founding a startup right huge huge change and and as as co-founder you came in as sort of the first technical employee and cto right talk to me about that sort of that transition and how was sort of how, how was your role and how do you think that that will change over time as the team grows i mean as for now we are very much in the startup phase uh we are a very small team so everyone talks to everyone in one way that is easy to sell because everyone gets the holistic picture and you can on the uh jump in, into you say you know to the person i mean if you want to call the ceo on, on sunday i mean you can do it <laughs> that i don't know but at least you can call him late at night during the week uh weekdays um and uh, that's of course a lot of fun and uh people naturally feels uh you know important and part of the of the project the team and i think that uh one of the most important part to move forward is to maintain people's um, understanding that they are part of something bigger and that they can maintain a, a holistic understanding of, of what they're doing but uh, except from that i mean it's everything technically you're going to have to implement all the the important infrastructure uh, that is necessary when you start to get a team you know uh, yeah that's going to be big i mean right now it's been very much i said i decide how the infrastructure should look and i implement it and uh, then uh, now we have uh we have already uh, uh we are three uh, in the development team right now and we have data scientists and data analysts that works together because uh we decided early on to to implement our platform in python and one of the main reasons for that was because it's a, it's a language that both data scientists and developers can share and uh, it means that we have quite a good of uh, information so to say a transferal between the different teams But yeah, um uh definitely the the infrastructure the organization has to be more uh sorted through and um uh, and developed. But I do think that one of the benefit of working in a large organization that is very focused on policies and infrastructure that I came from, I do have uh, uh quite some ideas of how you can do it. But uh yeah, let's see. Uh, I think it's going to be some you just continue and and uh, one thing that i really look at now is of course that we look at trying to uh, hire senior developers that also has a lot of that experience so that you get that experience with the employee probably will solve some of the issues that makes perfect sense so let's let's double click on that a bit 
sort of um, hiring. I'm, I'm very curious, uh, how do you think about recruiting and retaining talent in a world where sort of COVID essentially made talent markets global, right? Uh, so that's the first complexity. And the second complexity for you, for sort of, for, for your and your team would be the, the industry that you play with. Do you think about hiring people with specialized knowledge or do you just uh, train them as, as they come in? So walk me through some of your hiring frameworks for recruiting and retaining talent. The, the question on the global job market is of course that we went global. So when the job market went global, our company went global. All our meetings are online with, with clients um, and with our colleagues. Today, almost everyone in the team uh, works remote. We have office offices in, in Stockholm, but, uh, but our colleagues are all around the world. And when we're hiring, we're also hiring all around the world. So uh, now I'm talking to a guy in Ukraine, a guy in Malaysia, a guy in India. So we're really trying to uh, get that working. So one of the main things that I'm, I'm looking at now is to try to really get a good digital environment working for the team. So um, you can come as close to as the physical experience, because I do believe that the physical experience is uh, has some advantages. And uh, so the important part for me now is try to, to uh, create the digital environment that has almost those features of uh, natural interaction between people um, and just the simple fact is high, really high, uh, you know, audio quality and, and uh, video quality is super important. So that is uh, some part we work with. Uh, when we work with um, uh, looking at uh, competencies, I mean, in general, of course, there's, it's of course very important that when you, when you have an interview with someone that you feel that I would be able to work a lot with this person because we work a lot. Uh, and uh, I mean, if you go into a, to a startup, you have to be truly dedicated to the task. Um, it will not be a nine to five job. That's just the case. So, so you're going to have to be motivated by both your mission, what you're trying to offer to the world, but also by simply learning the technologies, becoming really good at what you do. So to see it also as an education. Uh, so that is, of course, what you look at. Uh, someone that, that sees the job as more than a job, as, as a part of, of, of uh, growing and developing and so on. Now we're so early. So we do also look at uh, specific experience within Python and Django framework and Redis and, 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 and Postgres and Lua and the technology that we use. Technically, that is yes, because we really need it immediately. We don't have the resources to train someone at the moment. I think that in the future, that will become less important and, and, and uh, character will become more, more important than a specific experience. And I have a strong tendency to go on, on character even today, even if I know that I do really need these competences. So, um, and then how, how do we find the talent? Everything from job ads uh, to, uh, to reaching out on LinkedIn to people that seem to work on, on, on competitors, going out on Upwork, you know, like throwing out a couple of, you know, parallel tasks and see like who's doing the best job. And then it's like, do you want to be hired <laughs> or something like that? 
Uh, I mean, we're trying a lot of things. Puzzle. Uh, and do you look for, for people who um, have sort of industry and, and crypto experience or who are, who are at least um, sort of captivated by uh, the topic? Of course. I mean, you always get uh, excited if you meet someone that is excited about what, what you're doing and that has already figured it out. However, uh, I have had interviews with developers that have said, uh, uh, you know, directly to me, I don't believe in, in crypto. I think this is not going to work out. <laughs> I, I, I applied to your job because it's cool. It's, it's, uh, it's data distribution, high, uh, large amounts of data. It has to you have a high speed, uh, extreme requirements and accuracy and, and, and so forth. So I think that uh, the technology and the tech stack he uses is exciting. So I applied for that. Crypto is not my thing. And I haven't seen that as a disadvantage at all. Uh, I get I get I get uh, intrigued by that. However, I do tell them that they will end up in some fierce small debates within the company. But as long as they can accept that, you know, uh, I'm all I'm all for it. So um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's both ways to some extent. If you're really engaged and have great arguments for your position, I like it, uh, and then I'm less interested in what what your position is. <laughs> that that's real real cool. And I didn't expect <laughs> that. Um, but essentially, if if someone is interested in the technical challenge and is able to have reasonable uh, debates about things, that's sort of some of the core traits that you're looking for in hires. Yeah, and I mean, I know that I gotta win the debate, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not you know concerned about that. It's just a ma measure of time, and and they will have invest in Bitcoin, you know, so uh, uh, that's not the issue. <laughs> one thing you said is that you, you're, you, you have like infrastructure or sort of an operating cadence that tries to mimic a lot of the sort of the real world interactions because you think that's even though we, we, you, you went global, that is uh, valuable. So what sort of practices or what's your operating cadence uh, to make sure that your team is sort of high performing? What's some of the tools that you use, maybe? Yeah, I mean, as I also said in that statement, that I'm very much still looking for those tools. But I mean, we've tried. Um, as for now, I mean, we go. I mean, we use Google. We have tried Discord. I do like Discord. I've had some issues with the quality there, but I know you can buy better quality, so I'm thinking about doing that. Uh, we have tried uh, Telegram, Signal, uh, Skype. Really. Um, a lot of the different uh, tools. I know that there are better tools out there that creates more of a virtual office environment, and I, I want to try them. I haven't had the chance yet, so if anyone has a suggestion that they know is just awesome, uh, send it to uh, Hawk on an intro.co, and I will try it out. But uh, yeah, so that that's a challenge, technically. We haven't solved it. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. And, and, and how do you deal with, with, with time zones. Uh, you mentioned you were talking to candidates in India, for instance. Yeah. Um, I think this will be a bigger problem in the future. As of now, I think that uh, I do like the fact that we have very separate time zones because it offers us, it, it becomes easier to have 24 monitoring of every person on our, all our servers. So I really like that. Uh, if you look at the 
we try to, I mean, with developers, we really try to have as, as few meetings as possible. That's also a challenge in order to, to get that in-depth uh, uh, concentration time that you need in order to solve a problem in a good way. Um, so I only try to have one hour meetings uh, where we go through exactly what has happened during the day and what will happen the next one or two days. So we also use uh, Asana at the moment as a task manager system. So I really try to work with that one in a structured way. Um, I also constantly are um, asking for structure. So it's it's a very important topic when I discuss with people like how do we improve the structure of our communication? Uh, if anything is unclear, tell me that and also tell me is it some kind of uh, systematic problem here that we can solve or is it just a one-time thing? So, but when it comes to no, and honestly, I do work quite many, a lot of hours, so I have a lot of hours to spend, but uh, and sometimes, you know, you have to take one meeting with one developer a little bit early and the other one a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, definitely it will, it could become a problem in the future, but as of now, we have in fact been able to work around that. Yeah, totally, totally. That, I think that is a problem that most companies are going through uh, at, the, at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm curious, at this stage, do you feel the need to measure uh, like your team's uh, performance in any way? Or you're sort of such a tight-knit group right now that is something you can just get a pulse on every day? Yeah, as of now, we get a good pulse. I mean, I can track the task assignments and uh, but I mean, I have such a great relationship with the ones I work with. So, uh, I mean, I I work quite a lot and they work more than me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm not in the position of, of, of challenging them when it comes to productivity, for sure. Um, but yeah, in the future, um, it's going to be um, maybe more of a challenge. But I, I, I truly believe that you should hire people that are extremely motivated and extremely hardworking. And uh, so the responsibility of motivation in the end ends up on you, uh, in the sense that um, they they should be of, of the caliber that they shouldn't be too hard to motivate. Uh, so if you, if, you, if you do not succeed with that, I mean, you have to look at what you do. But uh, yeah. yeah. It, it all goes back to, to who you hire. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm curious. So, startup, small team, looking to to grow. How do you balance sort of the short term uh, growth and revenue requirements that come with being a startup against sort of the long term tech development or or innovation in a space like like crypto, which is like there's a ton to 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 be explored, right, and to be done. How do you sort of balance those sort of uh, conflicting tensions? Yeah, the straight answer at the moment is we don't. I think that we're extremely client-driven. So uh, what happens is that uh, we start a discussion. I mean, our sales process are very long. So to that extent, it is a little bit easier to, to be very client-driven, but still has, a, has some kind of uh, more of a long-term perspective. So our sales process is quite complex B2B process. So when they start out, um, they normally start with back-end testing of different IDs and then in collaboration with the, with the potential client or the signed client, 
you you set up some kind of product that they want and then slowly you can see what kind of technical requirements you would need for that but there are of course projects that we have and that we really believe uh, would be uh, great to implement and that simply are just lagging behind now uh, because we have uh, a lot of client uh, requests which is a good thing to some extent but yeah um, in the future i think that of course we're going to have to sit down and have more of a, a proper discussion about how the budgets are being uh, spent and how much we should really focus on, on long-term projects but as of now it's very much client-driven I'm, I'm curious you said you have this sort of client-driven um, environment which at that stage is, is super uh, beneficial particularly with the sort of longer sales process is your team and you as a CTO the one who prioritizes that or, or do you work with a product team for, for that I'm very lucky because our, CT, uh, our CEO that is in charge of um, the sales process is a statistician and um, studied mathematics with me. Uh, so he, is, he likes tech a lot. And he also, even if he's a scientist, he knows how to program Python and, and R. So he has a, quite a good understanding for the, the, what, what the tech needs and require and that helps a lot in the communication so i would say that when we get requests uh, the prior prioritization becomes automatic simply because we uh, we have a good both a good understanding of what takes time what needs to be done what kind of resources do you have to put on the different tasks um, so i think that that is an absolute strength of the company that you have a uh, not only a, a a sales guy that knows tech, uh, but also is interested in it and, and, and likes it and has then a passion for the product, how the product is, is being developed. So, so I'm lucky there. <laughs> Luck uh, usually plays uh, a role. So that, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what's keeping you up at night over the next 12 months or so? Everything that has to do with the core quality of the product. Accuracy in the sense of will people be able to manipulate the values are our validation processes that we have in place enough of course uptime speed access and um, also constantly ensuring uh, everything becomes we are a regulated entity so to some extent our uh, development process started a little bit differently than others in the sense that we started to write a long application to the financial the european security and market uh, um, authorities uh, specifying exactly all the requirements that are needed from a regulated benchmark uh, provider, uh, which is a bunch. So you technically have to deliver an entire infrastructure with all the requirements and, and security rules and disaster recovery plans and all of that has to be in place. So we started with all of that, which is most often maybe not that common for startups um, to begin at that end. But that also, of course, uh, uh, makes me constantly aware of what I need to fulfill in order to be a, a regulated entity. And uh, yeah, that also keeps me up at night. Um, yeah. But um, honestly, I have some great guys in different time zones. They do a great job of monitoring, so I do sleep pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's the dream. Well, you have to deal with regulation, but you have a great team to to support you. <laughs> yeah. What uh sort of writer or or book has got like the greatest influence on your career and and why? Oh yeah. Um, that was a. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're true, I mean, first of all, if you're if you've dedicated your your life to the promotion of, of cryptocurrencies. Uh, I would say it's maybe not a, a book, but a paper, and that is by Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, of course, uh, have, have a huge impact on me, given that it, to some extent, made me decide a career path. In the day-to-day uh, work, in fact, uh, before I studied um, mathematics, I studied physics, but then before that, I studied philosophy. And... Uh, And I studied what's called the Swedish theoretical philosophy. So it's a main focus on logic and metaphysics. And uh, those courses, and especially a book by Susan Hack, a professor in, at that time at the University of Florida, on the, philo uh, the philosophy of logics, was, had an immense impact because it, it taught me that you can uh, be formally logical about more or less everything. You can think. In, in, log in logic, in your everyday life, that you can structure things. And together with the metaphysics, where you set up all your assumptions and premises, you really can, can get a good structure on, on reasoning in, in most questions. And that do help me, because when I studied those courses, I realized that quite often I wasn't that logical. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, it, it's a very boring and dry book. Uh, and I don't even know if I would recommend it to anyone. But um, to me, it, it had a, it had a, a Let's start with the Bitcoin paper then. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That is a perfect uh, note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, Hakan. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Have a great day now. Hey, this is Gons again. If you enjoyed this episode of Startup Conversations, please let us know by leaving an honest review. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this one or find out more about the collaboration between Seedtable and CircleCI, visit seedtable.com forward slash conversations. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. Ciao.